Hey everyone, welcome back to Unstable and Unbridled with myself, Liz Lund, and Rachel McIntosh. Hello! We just wanted to thank everyone who listened to the first episode, and we are really excited to bring you more content. Yes, thank you so much to everybody. I'm honestly surprised that we've been able to record anything and post it to the internet, let alone have people listen to it. So for that, we have you guys to thank. Absolutely. Well, let's just start by stepping up to the mounting block. What's new? Well, we remain in the middle of a pretty unique situation right now. We're still dealing with the coronavirus outbreak, which has pretty much brought everything to a grinding halt, except my job as a physician assistant. Yeah, that sounds pretty intense. Horse shows remain canceled, including our first home show of the season at Otter Creek, and even the Kentucky Derby was postponed. Yeah, it sucks. I'm just as disappointed as everyone else that the season is going this way, but I think they did the right thing. Despite how important it is to us, showing is purely recreational, and there's really no need to risk people for it. (sighs) Totally. I was hoping to move Billy and B up before leaving Florida this season, but that will just have to wait until we get back out showing again. Poor Magic has not been feeling his best lately. He's been undergoing some workup and body work treatments and things to get him feeling back to normal, but I think having this eight weeks off will probably help. I haven't gone to the barn at all since the uh, Minnesota stay-at-home order was put in place because I'm worried about infecting people, so he's going to have some nice, well-deserved time off. Well, I think we'll get little shifty feeling better than ever, and I'm sure he's really appreciated the time off. Speaking of feeling better, this week we're going to talk about health and wellness in the equestrian rider. Um, It's a pretty broad topic, and there's a lot to cover, so there might be more episodes in the future, but I think this will be a good start. I think health and wellness of ourselves is something that we often neglect. We think of our horses as legitimate athletes, but often we don't think of ourselves that way, even though anyone that rides competitively or really at any level needs to think of what's required of our bodies to do this. I know that I am definitely guilty of not always treating my body the best. (laughs) Uh, Me too. I'm not really sure why that is, though, other than just pure neglect. I think the lifestyle definitely lends itself to some bad habits. Like if you're out riding or teaching all day, it can be really easy to skip meals or just eat really fast. Um, and eat easy things rather than eating a good like protein and vegetable rich diet. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I typically will go the whole day without eating and not even realize it until dinner is suggested. My eating habits have definitely gotten a lot better since I started doing home chef meals. Like they're basically pre-packed meals that you just have to cook. Um, Most of them take like 20 to 30 minutes to cook, um, but it saves me from eating out a lot, which Obviously not a concern right now with coronavirus, but that's where most of my naughty habits come from as far as food goes. I am definitely one that loves to eat out. Um, (laughs) But I have tried some of those meal plans before. I've done Blue Apron and HelloFresh. Basically, if it's been advertised on Facebook, I'm pretty sure I've at least tried it. Did you find um, those helpful or did you like them or what did you like or not like about them? Well, I thought they were fun to be able to cook different types of meals that I would probably never think of cooking, but due to my lack of eating throughout the day, I really just have no interest in cooking a meal for 30 to 45 minutes at night. I really just want to eat something and go to bed. Yeah, on those days, I usually end up making a frozen pizza. (laughs) Also, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely enjoy the occasional cocktail or two, which is not exactly the marker of health. Ugh, I know, but is there anything better than an ice-cold cider after a long day in the sun? There literally is not. 
I think alcohol is the same as with food. Anything in moderation is okay, but it's definitely important to monitor intake, especially since I think a lot of riders are chronically dehydrated as well. It's in my bullet journal as a goal to drink 64 ounces of water per day. I've met it like twice in the last month, but at least I'm trying, right? Also, in in case you guys can't tell, I'm obsessed with bullet journaling. (laughs) Yeah, you have mentioned that a few times. But that's better than I can say. I try to remember to bring my 64-ounce water jug down to the barn. But if I forget that, I will try to occasionally drink out of the, the water fountain we have. I also think sleep is an important part of our overall health. Absolutely. Uh, they recommend at the minimum six hours of sleep. And I don't know who they is, the, the health people. But ideally eight. Um, it's crazy when like how much better I feel when I'm getting good regular sleep. Same. So sometimes I pop an Ambien and wash it down with a bottle of wine. That's totally (laughs) key. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't do that. That's the American (laughs) way. (laughs) Um, My sleep has definitely taken a turn for the worse since the uh, Rona started, but what can you do? Now, you let your dog sleep in the bed with you, correct? Yes, I do. Denver and Chopper typically sleep with me every night. However, since I got a new couch last fall, Denver tends to stay out there more often than not. Do you feel like that affects your sleep negatively at all? Also, can you clarify what breed your dogs are so people can like really imagine what you're dealing with? (laughs) I've read some research that says that it improves your sleep having the dog sleep in your room with you, but not in your actual bed. I do think having them there affects my position while sleeping, but... I don't wake up feeling particularly tired if they're sleeping with me. They are both 75-pound pit bull crosses, and if Denver gets cold, he will stand over me until I wake up and allow him to come under the covers. (laughs) It's actually kind of creepy, and Chopper usually just curls up in a ball next to me. Probably the first trip we ever took together to a horse show, Denver was just a puppy and slept in the tent with us and literally laid on my head like most of the night, or he was in my sleeping bag which I then complained about, and Liz took that to mean I hated dogs for the longest time. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely thought you didn't like dogs, and you have (laughs) these cats that you always had with you when you were in school and stuff, and I just thought you were a weird cat lady. (laughs) (laughs) I am a both person. Oh, It would be interesting to sleep like I normally do, and then do a trial of my dogs not sleeping in my bed for a week to see if things improve. Yeah, you'll have to keep us posted on that experiment. I try to force my dog to sleep with me, but he's an Australian Shepherd and he's so fluffy. I think he just gets too hot. So he always sleeps on the floor. Yeah, I don't think that experiment will happen. (laughs) I love sleeping with my dogs. So for those really early horse show mornings, do you have any remedies to help you get quality sleep the night before? Honestly, no. I am not a morning person, so I struggle to get up for those days. I also really struggle with show nerves, so I usually have nightmares the night before the show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm lucky if I get like four hours of sleep the night before a show. I just get too excited to sleep. I do try to adjust my sleep schedule a little bit if I can. Like I'll go to bed earlier than normal for a few days prior to the show. So I'm not laying awake at midnight because that's when I'm used to going to bed. Oh, that's a good idea. Also, caffeine in the form of (laughs) Zija. Of course. Can't forget that. What about exercise? Obviously, riding is a lot of exercise, but I definitely think there is a benefit to cross-training, whether it's another sport or going to the gym or whatever it is that you like to do. Yeah, I agree. I'm currently paying for a gym membership, and I haven't been there in over a year, so I'm feeling really good about that. (laughs) Um, But it is nice to work out some different muscles. 
I'll run intermittently. Um, I've been doing these virtual runs ever since coronavirus started where you like submit your time and get a medal in the mail. So that's been fun. Um, and my husband is obsessed with spike ball. So we try to play that quite a bit in the summer. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. I usually play volleyball during the summer, but I don't know that that's going to happen this summer. Thanks a lot, Rona. I think overuse injuries, too, are worth considering. Um, Obviously, lots of muscle groups get used when you ride, so they're not the same exact muscles all the time. But we're still more susceptible to overuse injuries, just like any other sport where you're doing repetitive motions. I agree. Ideally, we should stretch before and after riding, especially those areas that get really tight, like your hip flexors and hamstrings. I actually have started stretching in the morning for about 30 minutes combined with some lower back and core exercises. Gonna get swole. (laughs) Actually, I don't even know what that means, except that the under 30s say it in regards to working out on TikTok. That's amazing. I'm impressed. Also, I think you did use swole, right? I can't be 100% sure, though. Um, yoga too is a really good side sport to consider for riders because it's good exercise and it helps stretch all of those muscle groups that tend to get really tight in riders. We should host another yoga class at the barn this year. Yeah, definitely. It was a big hit last year, I think. Although we need to remember to lock the dogs up first because there were way too many tongues in my ear last time. Yeah, they were everywhere, but that's the life we live. Yep. I would also highly recommend regular massage. Um, I joined Massage Envy recently, and it's been absolutely life-changing. Eh, well, isn't it expensive? What's the deal? So it's like 60 bucks a month, which includes one hourly massage, and then any additional massages you book after that are 40 bucks. Um, but I consider it a small investment for significant improvement in your body's overall health. Well, I'm a weirdo, and I really do not like massages. What? How? It feels so good. I know it's weird, but I just don't like it. I actually just had one last week because my chiropractor had recommended a good deep tissue massage, even if it hurts. (laughs) And I was literally bruised for three days and I definitely don't feel like I felt any looser or better or whatever it is that I was supposed to feel after being pummeled by some tiny little girl's hands. (laughs) Can't imagine. I come out of massages feeling almost drunk. Like sometimes I worry that even driving is questionable. (laughs) Hey, now, I'm not the only one that doesn't like massages. I know. My husband actually doesn't like massages either, and he thinks it's a waste of money to have someone just tickle his back for an hour, which I would tend to agree with, but I think you guys are nuts. (laughs) Well, see, I'm not the only one with my mental health in question. Mental health is another very important area of our overall well-being, so let's move into that discussion. For sure. I think we've definitely made some improvements in the last few years on um, decreasing the stigma associated with mental health, but there's definitely still a long way to go. Yeah, a lot of big name riders have recently spoken out about mental health, too. I think there were features recently in the Chronicle of the Horse on Matt Brown, who is an eventer, and Stefan Peters, who is arguably the most famous dressage rider at the moment. I love that people are speaking up because I think a lot of people have suffered in silence for a long time because they just didn't want to deal with the stigma. Oh, definitely. I even had someone tell me at one point to keep all of my emotions quiet so I don't look weak. If I was nervous about anything, then I shouldn't tell anyone. Mm, And in hindsight, that definitely was not the best thing overall for my own mental health. Wait, really? That is so crazy. I honestly think that's super destructive to you. Like everyone is at, at a horse show is nervous as they should be. We're doing a dangerous sport and it's scary. 
I think someone asked a big name writer one time, I want to say Boyd Martin. He basically said, if you aren't nervous going out of the start box, you are a danger to yourself and your horse because that means that you don't care anymore. Yeah, I think being nervous is a healthy fear we can learn to manage rather than ignore. And I have since come up with better coping mechanisms for my own personal nerves, whether it's show related or general daily stress. We all have definitely struggled with anxieties and nerves at horse shows. How has it affected you? So overall, I have a history of some depression and anxiety, as does pretty much everyone in our generation, right? Absolutely. I think everybody struggles with it. How do you manage it? So I'm on an anti-anxiety medication, and I also see a therapist. Um, Unfortunately, my therapist is not in the office during coronavirus, so I've been a little more on edge recently with some changes at work and things, but I do really like therapy. So you would say it helps? Absolutely. I cannot recommend therapy highly enough. I literally think everyone can benefit from it. I think there's definitely a stigma against therapy. Like in the past, only crazy people went to the therapist. And you could just imagine lying on a couch and finding ways to blame your parents for all your problems. Yeah, I think that's true. Pop culture definitely did not do the specialty any favors. But um, in my experience, at least, therapy focuses on giving you tools to cope with problems and your feelings better rather than just hashing out your childhood. Yeah, I think that would be helpful in a sport that is so up and down, too. What do you mean by that, up and down? Riding horses. It's obviously amazing, and the highs are so high, but the lows are also so low. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Some days it feels like the stars have aligned for you, and other days it feels like someone is out to get you, including your horse. Do you talk about horses in therapy? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, Mostly about my show nerves, though. (laughs) Well, along with therapy, I'm really big into sports psychology, too. That has made a huge difference for me in my riding and showing. So what kind of tools do you use from sports psychology to help you? Well, I first got started with books. One of my first books I read was recommended by Lainey Ashker called Mind Gym. I highly recommend it. Many of my students have read it over the years. Visualization is big. I try to imagine what it will feel like to be riding in the show ring and imagine everything going well. It is very easy to accidentally slip back into, well, what if this happens? What if that happens in regards to something negative? And you just have to continue to practice that positive self-talk and encouragement. Yeah, I try to do that too. I've also heard you tell me in my lessons like about the idea of the power of positive thinking. Yeah, I definitely believe in that too. And not to say you should ignore every fear or worry you have, because we obviously do a dangerous sport and there are things to worry about. But I always try to think positive thoughts. That's such a helpful tool to use. Also, using mistakes or bad moments as learning opportunities and trying to find the positive in that makes me feel so much better, not only about my riding, but also about the outcome of a competition. It's taken me a long time to accept that making mistakes is a huge part of growing and continuing to learn. For a while, I was too nervous to do anything because I didn't want to make a mistake. So can you give an example? Like, what if I'm out walking my course and there's a jump that I'm really worried about? Well... Typically, riders all have some sort of fence that makes them worried. For me, it's a classic ditch and wall. I had a horse fall in one when I was younger, and they've worried me ever since. So when I have a particular fence I'm worried about at a horse show, I try to break it back down to the basics. I might relate it to other fences that I've jumped successfully in the past, and I will walk my distance from takeoff about three to five strides away so I have a good visual of where I need to be in front of the fence. And how would you say you can stay positive while also preparing for the unexpected, like a refusal or a run out? Well, that can be really tricky at times, especially if you and your horse have a history of an issue. Let's say they look hard jumping into the water. You want to be careful that you aren't overriding a fence 
because that can actually make your horse more worried and wondering what on earth could be coming up that's making you ride like such a lunatic. (laughs) You want to ride the fence as if it won't be a problem at all while making sure that you're ready just in case they take a look or try to nap out. Horses are animals at the end of the day, and they can be unpredictable. So what do you do then if you do, in fact, have an issue on course? Well, it's always good to be prepared for anything. So depending on your level, you may have options at certain fences. But it is always good to be aware of all of your surroundings. When walking your course, if you're worried about a particular fence that could be a problem for you, make sure you have a plan to reapproach that fence so you can have a successful jump at the fence. Also, keep in mind, if you do have a refusal, then you should use the rest of your course to continue to educate yourself and your horse so that you both can come home better schooled than when you left the start box, even if you did have an issue. Also, definitely make sure you're current on the rules. Oh, that is so true. Keeping in mind, the rules can be different depending on each phase and each level that you ride at. I can't count the number of times that I've seen people incur penalties or get eliminated for jumping the combinations incorrectly after having an issue. It is so tragic when that happens. Um, Those are good tips, though. I think keeping things positive is super important. Otherwise, it's really easy to get beaten down fast in this sport. And if you want to keep doing it, dwelling on what went wrong isn't going to help you in the long run. Oh, yeah. All of my students learn pretty fast that they need to be good sports, even if the show isn't going the way they wanted it to. I don't put up with poor sports, and it's never acceptable to blame or get angry at your horse. (laughs) Yes, they certainly do. Um, It's okay to be upset and maybe even have a cry in private in the trailer like I do, (laughs) but you can't let that hover over you all weekend because otherwise that can affect other people's attitudes in a negative way. (laughs) Um, On this subject, I actually read a really good book recently called Brain Training for Riders by Andrea Montserrat Waldo. Um, She's a former student of Denny Emerson's, who I feel like is considered kind of the god of the modern eventing or former eventing anyways. And also a psychologist, um, she basically gives you exercise, exercises and things to learn how to tame your, quote, lizard brain. Uh-oh, I'm not sure I'll ever get rid of my lizard brain unless I change my name. Ha. <laughs> yeah, you're stuck with it. <laughs> no, it's the part of you that ignites that fight-or-flight response, um, and it's about basically learning to control your responses, both physically and emotionally, to improve your performance. I thought it was super helpful, and I would recommend it to any rider, especially people who struggle with nerves. Oh, so basically everyone activated their lizard brains when corona hit and became insane? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's your favorite takeaway from the book? Well, I took the copy out of your house, so remind me to give it back to you. Um, One of the more interesting things was to externalize negative thoughts. So instead of thinking, I am nervous, um, which is about you, you make it into, oh, hi, nerves, I see that you've arrived. And then you literally say the word delete and try to stop thinking about them. Well, I'll have to read that one when we can see each other in person again someday. (laughs) Right. Well, we're almost coming to the end of our time together. Do you have any saddle sores that you need to address? Well, lately I've been working a lot with the young horses. I have two of my own two-year-old homebreds that are about to turn three this summer so they're learning what it's like to be real horses and I have some others that are off the track or client horses that are greener and it sure does make you appreciate a well-trained horse I really enjoy working with the young ones because they seem to learn so quickly each day seems to be a huge accomplishment but there's definitely those days where you feel like nothing you do works oh yeah I can totally see that my horse magic is a homebred so my mom and I did all the work on him and they're 
are so many great things about young horses, but every time I think about taking on a new young horse, I'm grateful that my horse is dead broke now, and I don't have to worry about him doing something super dumb. Uh, dead broke? Are we talking about Shifty here? <laughs> Just kidding. We all love a Madge. Okay, maybe not dead broke, but he's like 96% broke. He gets in the trailer, he's easy on the ground, he doesn't spook and bowl, you know... You can trust him not to kill you because his lizard brain took over. <laughs> I remember when Kat and I had him at Richland a few years ago. I think he literally broke three halters. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. But I do have to say there's just something about jumping on old Lady Hannaby, even though she doesn't love dressaging, that really makes me appreciate all the hard work that was put into her over the years. I remember when I first started riding her... One time she dumped me on a trail ride. Oh, no. Liz Turnquist had trained the horses to come to you when you would whistle. We were miles away from home and hacking around a lake. She ran out of sight. Liz and I began whistling and walking back down the trail. A couple minutes later, she came trotting around the corner like a dog. <laughs> that is a great skill to have. Well, it is hand beat. The bestest bee in the whole wide world. What's your saddle sore this week? This is a COVID-related saddle sore because, honestly, what else is there to talk about at this point? But... People are doing, frankly, insane things with masks on their face. Like, either they're just not on their face at all, they're on it wrong, like they don't have their nose covered or their mouth covered, or they'll, like, take them down and up while simultaneously putting their grubby little hands all over everything, like, touching their phone and then touching their face. At that point, you may as well not even wear one. Yeah, I have definitely seen some chaos. I think on that note, let's sign off. We have a great couple episodes coming up and some special guests, so please stay tuned. Also, a very special thank you to the talented Missy McIntosh for our jingle and Jessica Lund for help with our artwork. See you next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>